0: We're working with another uh, like kind of indie pop artist in the similar vein of Toro Imoa for a video game. The game's called Sable, and the soundtrack's be done by a gal who goes by the moniker Japanese Breakfast. And uh, <laughs> <I> like that, <laughs> dude, she's rad. She's, first off, she's like half Korean. Yeah, yeah. Nothing Japanese, but <laughs> she's awesome. She's that's like
1: awesome. It's like tiny little firecracker that's just pulls out some incredible music. So You should look her up too. I'm gonna, I I'm good. gonna start. By saying, I'm actually surprised by the bonding that just occurred. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I was yeah, not sure. expecting <laughs> yeah, that at all. Sure, like, I was yeah. just like, wow, this is amazing. I really dude. just wanted to talk about. <laughs> yeah,
2: no, yeah. Oh yeah. I love to. Did totally he do that well. collab with Cromeo? I oh, think he did. Man. Oh, I
0: love Cromeo too. Dude. Oh, uh, I love him too. Can we talk about? <laughs> <Just> all right, <laughs> guys. So. just changed the whole
2: podcast <laughs> yeah, yeah. about music. So we're oh, here okay. at Pax East.
1: Uh Troy, Henry, and we have another special guest with us, David Martinez. Hey, it's nice AKA to be AKA here. A.K.A. Hey, Date D. Mart. Hey, D. Mart.
0: Um, My industry name, DMAR. It was given to me when I first started in this industry.
1: We're going to get into all of that. well, Actually, that's the perfect place to start. So, Well, actually, that's not the perfect place to start. What is it that you do in the industry currently for the oh. people that are listening?
0: Oh, man. I uh, I make people pretend that I know what I'm talking about. Uh, that no, sounds like every position in the industry right now, actually. That's actually, actually this <laughs> podcast. Actually, Oh, man. <laughs> you guys are wonderful. Uh, no, So... Um, I guess by trade uh, I'm a public relations person uh, that's how I started and I've kind of always done that so I've been on the, the marketing side of things currently I'm the co-founder of an indie publishing label called uh, raw fury uh, we you know we're like a, a smaller outfit it looks for like really cool curious interesting projects um, and, uh, and we, we approach developers and ask them if they'd like to collaborate with us so we can handle all the stuff that's not related to development you know, we'll fund them as well. So it's not just a, like a, a one way street, you know, we're giving them uh, something to help them out, uh, become full-time developers, kind of live that dream. And then in return, uh, we're helping them also, um, you know, get, get their game out there to the masses. It takes a lot of effort to, to get something that you create yeah. and, and put it in the hands of other people. Um, it's not as simple as just like, oh, just put it on switch or whatever. <laughs> it doesn't work. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's what I do. Uh, i co-founder of this uh, unit along with my co or excuse me co-founder Gordon Van Dyke and then our founder Jonas Sanderson. we all worked at Paradox Interactive that's where we met um, really loved the indie side of things and just decided to go full force into it and that was like four years ago now just crazy
2: I uh I didn't really up until about two three years no I say like, like three years ago I didn't realize how hard it was just to get like an indie game going until like I actually talked to somebody who it was actually I think it was actually here at Backseas they had like you know like the, they had the Kickstarter section I was talking to somebody and he's like yeah this is, and I had pledged his Kickstarter like two years ago like an alpha for the game came out everybody was loving it and then like it just dropped off the face of the earth and then I saw him again at this booth and I was like hey what happened with your game and he was like yeah this is like the fourth attempt we're trying to make it work. He's like, and hopefully we'll get it going some this
0: time. And I was like, oh shit. Yeah, it's uh it is really something. I, I think that, and this is no fault to any developer, of course, but you know, they're 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 very passionate and they're very ambitious. And uh, in regards to Kickstarter, they, they might ask for too little. They might yeah. ask for not not enough that they actually need to like, you know, quit a full time job to live off the funds from Kickstarter. And then it then it really starts to hit you. It's not just it's not just i have to make this game and please a bunch of people who believe in me right but i also have to figure out a way to branch out and and try to sell the game so i can continue to live right. pay rent you know take care of the family or whatever it was a
2: uh, it was this, i don't know if you heard of it it was a game called artisans
0: i haven't known. it
2: was a game essentially where you it was like monster hunter it was a 2d side scroller like monster hunter and you like drew out your weapon and stuff like that and then you were able to like Make the weapon based on hunting monsters and stuff like that and it was like this crazy thing And that's what ended up happening the their artist that they had was part-time And then he was like I'm not I'm not making money off this And I have to go back to being full-time somewhere else and unfortunately like it just gradually fell apart bit by bit
0: We have absolutely seen that before we had a case uh, With one of our own developers where um, we had to make a decision. I'll tell the story really quick Uh, We had a game our second game that came out was a game called Kathy rain and it was made by one guy uh, and he contracted other work, too, like you know, for the art and, and stuff like that. But he did all the programming, he did all the writing. It's an adventure game, so the writing's really important. And, uh, and because it's a point click adventure, game, it's a really there's a niche audience for that, right? It's yeah. not, not going to blow up. And we knew that. But he, when it was released, it, it, the lead-up to breaking even was much slower uh, than we had anticipated, which is a problem when you're a one-person studio. Right. And you're hoping that you're going to bring in some sales that are going to help you, you know, pay for next month's food or whatever. And uh, and we could see very quickly that this wasn't going to be the case. And so we were faced with a decision, right? Like, well, Do we just, you know, wait until money rolls in? And then, uh, which means he has to wait, which means maybe this developer's got to go get a job. yeah, Or maybe we should front a little bit of, of cash to keep the doors open, knowing that the money's going to come in one day anyway. And that's what we did. You know, but we understand that most developers, almost all of them, are not in this position if they don't have uh, someone that they're partnering with already. So, like in the instances of these kickstarters, people got to go back to work, yeah. and then of course the backers get mad, and it's, and that's, yeah. it becomes a whole.
2: I feel like Kickstarter is kind of a, a rough road to go down. As much as it seems like a, like this like this big answer to like such a big problem, I also feel like sometimes it's like sometimes it's not enough, or sometimes it's just like not getting what <laughs> you, you you're gonna need more. Eventually. Yeah, and that's I think that's a big issue with kickstarter it's like you have this goal and you make these promises and sometimes you realize i can't come through
0: there, there's also this like legacy perception that if your game gets funded that that you will just automatically make money like or or it's and get attention hmm. back yeah. when in the early days of a uh, uh, kickstarter funding uh, you know game campaigns if your game was funded it was newsworthy right and now it's not yeah you know so it's it's just between you and this new community that you've built and then if you you know uh um life happens and, and you're not able to make the game come out when you want to, not only are you dealing, dealing with the, the woes of not being able to get the game out when you want to, but you're also dealing with a lot of people who may not be happy with you, you know, and it just adds a whole bunch of stress and stuff. And so, you know, companies like us, like, you know, Raw Fury, Devolver, you know, uh, Versus Evil, all these other indie publishers out there, we're trying to help mitigate that as much as possible for these developers. The quality of life hopefully is better for them because they don't have to worry so much about the finance stuff up front.
1: Games making games is expensive. Yeah. Yeah. When, I, I, when you say that uh, it had to be like newsworthy to essentially or be funded, it was like newsworthy. Was that always a thing for indie, or was that more for like the larger scale developers like Zenimax, EA, just uh, publishers like on a larger scale? like when you say that it was newsworthy if you got funded
0: oh, what, what I meant like was you know back in the, the early days of Kickstarter if your game was funded it was like you know, Kotaku or IGN or whatever will report on this. Look at okay, this amazing yeah, okay. Kickstarter game. These guys made like, you know, a million dollars in one month. Can't okay, wait to see okay, what happens. I see what you're saying. Gotcha. It, yeah.
2: I think I think one of the biggest selling points if I if if I remember and people like companies still do it is they always put that advertisement like we were funded under ninety six hours. Like that was a big staple and it was like it was like a big thing. I don't you don't really see that as much anymore on Kickstarter, but that was like the big that was like the prize thing that you would stamp on your game on Kickstarter we were funded in under 27 hours and it's like well so
0: did that guy yeah it's a good it is still a good accolade it is I would, definitely. I would be totally proud too <laughs> but, you're, but you're right that's not going to be the only thing that right. I, oh he was funded under 27 hours Oh, I better get that game yeah. like it's uh, it's not going to do that I, I for think,
2: you I think what you're seeing that now in like that sort of early video game thing is now you're seeing it I think in board games now mm. like board games right now I feel like you're seeing that like mentality from back in the day of video games in the board game version of Kickstarter
0: you know I'm
1: always we got on a weird tangent about Kickstarter
2: (laughs) Yeah, we did. It's okay. I mean, that's
1: kind of where a lot of indies get their start from. So it's like, I guess, almost like your forte, kind of like to pull them from Kickstarter in a sense and be like, hey, we can help you fund this. I guess not to say... How are you saying? Like, provide the proper guidance and funds for, like, hey, to get your game out there instead of just saying, I'm on Kickstarter. So we
0: are de- we are definitely looking for projects uh, before they hit any kind of other like uh, funding solution. We we want to be there uh, early in. We want to we want to put our own skin in the game. You know, it's not it's not like a matter of like, oh, we gave you money, so now we own you. It's it's yeah. definitely not that attitude uh, and I, I think publishers get that perception yeah. and, I, and, I'm not gonna, and I'm not even going to try to defend publishing or all publishers. I'm just speaking for us. David, yeah. was that your intimidation voice? Just no, no, no that, Yeah, that was my you know. my intimidation voice slash uh, I've been out very late for the last <laughs> few days. I'm very raspy right now. If my wife is listening, she probably might think I'm very sexy at the moment.
2: <laughs> That's what we're here for, you
1: know? Yes. <laughs> Thank you guys. So we've had a question that we've been asking all of our guests and I, I guess it's going to become like a re- reoccurring thing what was the first game that you ever played that you can remember that comes to
0: oh, fruition? I oh, know, I know this one. The Legend of Zelda. Uh, so it was NES Legend of Zelda. This had to have been like 1987. <clears throat> I was at my cousin's house. They lived in like a small city that was a half hour away from where I lived. And um, uh, we were there, and they had this thing called the Nintendo, and they were trying to play this game called The Legend of Zelda and did not understand anything going on. <laughs> Absolutely loved it. It was great. Zelda's not the game you give a seven-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I, I don't, I don't know what it is about that memory. I, it is so distinct in my mind. Is like, that,
1: is that where your love for like classic games come from? Just from like, like, what is it about classic? Because ge- you, you stream a lot of Super NES games, and that's mainly like I would say you're streaming forte is like classic games. So like, what is it that about the classic games that you prefer or? Uh, compared to like newer games, or is it just like, because you collect them, right?
0: I do, yeah, I I, I wouldn't call myself a hardcore collector, but uh, yes, uh, I have a a little bit of a collection, NES, SNES, starting to collect for Genesis a little bit. I was never a Sega kid growing up, Mm. so I'm actually not too familiar with the catalog. I was definitely more of a Nintendo, Super Nintendo guy. Mm. Uh, all the way up to, like, uh, GameCube, PS2. I'll stream any of it, too, and I stream it all from original hardware. Like, no emulation. Oh, like, look at you. Yeah, from actual Super Nintendo. I play on a on a, a CRT. All right, so yeah. when are we going to get
2: that Sega Saturn stream? What's up? Hey, I got it, dude. <laughs> I,
0: haven't, I haven't done it yet. Uh, what I need is, uh, oh, uh, like, a, a new battery for a Saturn. Uh, oh. But I have a Saturn. I've already tested it. I've got a few Saturn games. Collecting for that console is pricey. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, I remember my first game was probably Altered Beast on Sega. That's, hey. that's Like, you got that memory of, like, being back in the day. Like, I remember Altered Beast. I don't remember the hell it was about what I did, but I was just, like, I just remember playing Altered Beast. That was the game for me.
0: I remember the first time I played Altered Beast, actually. Oh! <laughs> yeah, no, uh, so a friend of mine, uh, he was my best friend in kindergarten. Uh, it was, like, right about, uh, we must have been, like, 10 or 11, I think, when the Sega Genesis came out. He was one of the first guys to get it and uh and he only had altered beast Mm. and i had only had played a nintendo at this point you know because the super nintendo wasn't out and i was floored you know it had voices (laughs) (laughs) it did whoa (laughs) (laughs) always from your grave there's rise from your grave and like you know i remember playing that in the arcade of course it looked better in the arcade Um, but it always does yeah um but, man, I was, I, I was, was That's amazing. That's pretty good... Uh, yeah. Would you
2: ever, like, consider... Or, or I don't know if you already do. Would you ever consider getting, like, an arcade cabinet or something like that?
0: I've considered it, but I live in San Francisco, where space is precious. Yes. Uh, so, at the moment, I can't fit anything like that. In fact, I have, a, um, I have like, a 32-inch Sony Vega that I found on the street <laughs> that I can't fit in my apartment. So, it's living in the garage. For one day, when we're, we leave that apartment, probably be this year sometime, I will finally be able to fit it. Mm. Right now, I just... Play on the 13-inch uh, or sorry, 15-inch yeah. uh, flat flat screen Toshiba. You know. As a, as a kid, team.
2: as a kid, my dream was always to have a DDR cabinet.
0: Oh man! Oh, his you... eyes just lit up. <laughs> oh, are you were you a Bimani guy? Uh, was that guy? Oh my! Like, how do we have so much in common, Henry?
1: <laughs> Dude, I told you. at the I'm really surprised. Just being. Like,
2: well, first uh, off, it was like being at a in in. A, because I grew up in Queens, and then we moved out to uh, Long Island, New York. Long Island, New York had a place called Sports Plus. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would always be in, like, a, sat- a Sunday morning or a Saturday night, just going to, like, all the DDR machines. Had, like, DDR Max 2 just lined up, and you would just be waiting there, doing the steps behind the kids and shit. Shadowing. <laughs> shadowing. You would shadow, do the shadowing.
0: Right. Oh, man. Uh, so, all right, I'm a nerd out. Do it. Just no, please. It. Um, so in the early two thousands, uh, I was a competitive DDR player yes. in Northern <laughs> California. I did I won I won a local tournament and like another like small city tournament, but I could never compete with the guys in the Greater Bay Area. They they were, the guys and gals there were just nuts at Perfect Attack, and that's what I played. It's a lot in Perfect Attack. And I started on a DDR fifth mix. It was the closest machine to where I lived at, which was like an hour drive away, but so the friends of mine who who played DDR and introduced it to me in this arcade hour away, this is, uh, that would have been in Sunnyvale. Um, one of them had a, like an at-home setup, so they had a, a Japanese PlayStation running. Um, I think it must have been like second mix through uh, at the time, fourth mix right, right. or something, and they had like the double pads, and that's where I played most of my DDR when I couldn't go to the arcade.
2: My uh, my good friend, uh, shout out shout out to Sean because he. His family was just like, we want you to be active. So they bought him. You remember back in the day, they made like the metal, the full metal pads? Yes. Ads yeah. Ads I never had because. one. I wanted one. I never so had did I. It. And we would always play on it. And then like, but the thing was wonky. If you stepped on it too hard, it broke. Like, it, but it still was like, this is the real thing. Um, I started out on a Max 2. Like, you remember? Do you yeah. Remember Max no, two? I totally know Max had 2. Had like days go
0: by and yeah. shit on it. Oh, man. I, I played up until Extreme. So I, the one machine after that. Yeah. Yep. There was a, you had six mix was it no or was, no DDR Max was 6 Max 2 was 7 and the extreme was the eighth uh, cabinet and I stopped playing after extreme uh, but I did continue playing other Beatmania games uh, I had a uh, pop and music arcade style controller like early 2000 I, st- I, I sold it a long time ago I still have my Beatmania 2DX uh, arcade style controller PS2 styles 3 through 10 I <laughs> you could am not saying you're going to but someone someone would pay a pretty penny for
2: all. I've i w- looked I'm at waiting
1: for that DDR stream now that all this is being No, uh, that's I'm never waiting, happening. <laughs> I'm waiting <laughs> no. for that. What was no. the
2: uh, what was the one back in the day, the internet one where it was like on the keyboard? About. Oh, keep,
0: well, there was keyboard mania. Is that what yeah. you're talking about? It was a keyboard, like a prop, prop, proper keyboard. It was like half a keyboard. No, it was just the arrow keys. You used your arrow keys. Oh, down. step mania yes. on, the, on PC. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Or uh, they had into the groove, which was like they co-opted DDR cabinets, yeah. but they used songs that were made in step mania. Yeah. You could uh, you could stream that. Hey. Oh no, that's not happening. No, no one wants to see this guy doing that anymore. I'm, I'm, we'll get the gonna. you
2: get the full body cam and stuff. Oh my! Every
0: stream is to me like <sighs> <sighs> this heavy breathing. Like, like they, real bad, in like a like in a bad. Drink your, water, drink
1: your water. Drink your drink oh your water, man.
0: So is on the floor. Uh, so,
1: we'll call nine one one. So you said like that was kind of like a start of your competitive like gaming with DDR. Yeah. I know you did like some stuff in the FGC. You want to like tell us like your background? Oh, within that? Just, I mean,
0: uh, just a tiny, tiny, tiny sliver of the FGC. I got a lot of respect for the FGC, by the way. Uh, I, I think the finding game community is like one of the most passionate communities out there, for better or worse. Uh, They're passionate, for sure. Um, Yeah, so uh, earlier in my career, uh, I worked at a PR agency in San Francisco that specialized in in, uh, video games and, and some startup tech stuff. And I worked on the video game side of things. And we had Sega as a client. And so Sega had released, or was going to release, Virtua Fighter 5 Final Showdown, which is still now the last console release of that game or that of that series. And uh, everyone is still hoping for Virtua Fighter 6. It is That is such a crazy, small community, but whole, are they passionate. So, uh, I, so I met a few folks and I was introduced to the uh, Finding Game community uh, through that game, which again, is just a tiny slice of, of, of history and a massive history of the FGC. Um, but because of that, um, you know, I, I, I like to go to EVO when I can. Uh, I watch it every year. My wife doesn't even watch uh, any Finding Game stuff. And she loves it when uh, Seth Killian and James Chen are, are crying together at the end. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I've only met James; he's a really nice guy. And um, yeah. Anyways, uh, so that that that's like kind of my small brush with the FGC. But every once in a while, I run into people like uh, Shadosha, our mutual friend, right, uh, and whatnot, and, and uh, you know, just talk or whatever. And, and I love watching some of the smaller tournaments, like uh, NorCal Regionals, going on right now. I haven't got a chance to catch any of it, but. Uh, I'm excited to check out uh, the VODs to see who wins.
1: So, yeah. I had an no idea that was this weekend.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's going
2: on. So so since we're kind of on the competitive talk, um, part of this podcast is about esports and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but what do you feel is a little bit more competitive, uh, like the realm of esports or actually the realm of gaming development? Do you feel like there's more tension in esports or is more tension like between game developers and stuff like that? Do you feel there's like, a, like oh. an un
0: this is a very interesting question uh, let me think about that for a second i mean i on the independent development side of things i don't think there's too much rivalry uh i think a good example actually on the publishing part of it is uh i went to south by southwest gaming this year my roommate uh the guy that i was like dude just come bunk with me uh is from versus evil now technically we are absolutely competitors right. we talk to the same developers trying to sign the same games. Sometimes they get a game, sometimes we get the game. You know, it's just the nature of the business. And yet, like the people there are some of my closest friends in this industry. And developers, at least on the indie side of things, are definitely the same. So there's there are some little clicks, but who doesn't have a group of friends? We all we've all got our little circles, right? And sometimes the circles commingle and sometimes they don't. But I I don't think there's anything there that's uh, uh like that's bad or whatever uh, esports side of thing, I mean, it's sports, you know. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, there's there's competition, I, just like in uh, kind of like uh, like the NBA, right? You might have uh, two players that uh, um, that know each other off the court and are really good friends. Historically, like you know, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, right? Yeah, they they knew each other off the court. On the court, a whole different story, right? But off the court, they were cool with each other. I imagine esports have got to be similar.
2: I would probably assume so. I think like I think you know you take a lot of uh Especially with social media, you see a lot more of those friendships outside the mm-hmm. the arena, outside the game. Mm-hmm. So you see, uh, you see like more so like, oh,
1: we're
2: getting lunch together. We're cool. Like we're getting, we're going on hikes together. That was a weird one. We're going on hikes <laughs> together. On, yeah, gamers hey. going on hikes. And I have yet to Hey, see that listen, right I, if you go, if you look at like Overwatch League, every single one of their teams have like a like a like a like a, like a, a trainer. Or like a, a yoga, whatever person, or anything like that. That's true. So, if you think about they're it,
1: they're trying to get gamers fit. So, trying i trying to get gamers that. fit out here.
0: We should be doing more hikes <laughs> than we should,
1: <laughs> probably should. <laughs> kind probably of should. bouncing off like that question, how do you feel uh, about a lot more? I guess this would not be on the indie side, but more developers becoming their own publishers now, kind of like with uh, Bungie stepping away from Blizzard mm. to become their own
0: I th- publisher. I think, I think it's great. Like, uh, the, the one like solid advantage that a developer going into publishing has is that they know exactly the woes of development and how to overcome them and use their own experience to guide new developers, right, or other folks that they sign as they continue to create their game. Like uh, in our company, like we have folks who worked in development as producers um, at EA Dice, for example. Like uh, one of our co-founders was producer for Battlefield series for multiple titles. And one of our larger uh, investors was the executive producer for the Battlefield series, all the way up wow. through four. Oh, you know, okay. So having that experience is really invaluable, I think. Uh, and so seeing uh, developers turning into publishers and then guiding people through that process is, is, really, uh, is really cool. It's good to see. And, and you would think that, oh, there are too many publishers. You know, the, the market is saturated. It's not true when we came, when we formed like 4 years ago we thought we were related to the party on the indie side of things and no mm. no they're still popping up all the time
2: yeah. I mean you look at Devolver they back in the day they didn't have the setup that they have now and Yeah, now they like they they own like pretty good portion of like that yeah, middle like, section
1: like three they usually rent out like a whole lot like lot and across the yeah, street. Trucks, and it's, it's just crazy. Like game trucks and all these things and it's like whoa
0: and that's the way it should be done honestly i, I like e3 as a show i suppose but i love visiting my friends at devolver like, it's cool. They have always got food. They've always got beer. <laughs> yeah. uh, they've got shade. It's a little hot outside. Who likes, I like being outside, too. Who wants Drive to be in air conditioning? with condi- beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> beer, yeah. Well, that's a whole other tangent we could probably go on.
1: Let's get into it. Uh, I mean, yeah. I was going to go into
2: one more topic, actually. Oh, yeah.
0: ask your question first. Thing, um, we'll get
2: into so, some, some beer. Uh, we've, we've just found out. We're both kind of into similar music. Mm-hmm. Um, this is actually pretty. How... Important, do you think music is to video games in terms of indie games? Because if we're, since we're speaking about Devolver, Hollow Miami to me probably has one of the best soundtracks I've ever heard.
1: Oh, you know you, you you're right. Heard, you haven't heard the soundtrack for uh, what is it, Celsta Cel- Celeste? Have you heard? The soundtrack I have. That? Yes, yes, okay. yes.
0: No, I, I mean, mu- music in any in any medium, creative medium, is is incredibly important, right? And I, I sometimes I don't think that music gets as much credit as it should. Especially when the music is uh, maybe mimicked to sound like a kind of older chip tune or something like that, some people might immediately cast it away. I I think Hotline Miami is uh, is not one of those, but it's uh, that soundtrack is incredible. I own the the two the limited edition like two LP you would. vinyl thing. You <laughs> would. It is it is one of my favorite soundtracks of all time. Uh, no, yeah, I I, I
2: to this day I still work out to a Hydrogen because uh, that thing just, you're just sitting there and you're like yeah 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 we'll yeah. <laughs> oh. fight someone. I mean. I'm gonna do the set. <laughs> <You know. laughs> oh, <blah>. Pixelated violence
0: <laughs> Pixelated <laughs> at the gym. Violence. Let's go. Yeah. I no. Think, oh, go ahead. Go I ahead. was going but I think the the even this one thing, sound design, gets gets shadowed too often. And I think sound design is just as important as the music itself. Talking about all the tiny little effects that go into a game. Um, there are so many talented individuals, right? And there's so many games whose sound design is incredible incredible Mm. and and it's just people are just like whatever sound effects but it's like you don't even realize like how much sound design good sound design can do for a game if it's done right you know
1: and the little silly things that they have to do to make those sounds like i've seen some pretty for one of the i don't know if you guys seen like the uh the past Zenimax video uh that they did at the past e3 but one of the sound design things they were doing one of the guys put a, a tin trash can on his head and the other guy had a sword and he was smacking it to try to get, like, the audio sound for it. And he's just like, ow, ow, ow. But they're, like, using it to make the noise. So it's just, like, little silly things like that. I'm like, I would have never thought of, like, that's how we're getting certain sounds from that are in video games. It's
0: incredible, actually. That is a pretty standard process. <laughs> like, we, we have a game called Atomicrops, and it's a really silly game, but it's like kind of like a uh, half-roguelike, half-farming simulator. It's like bullet hell, like, like Enter the Gungeon meets Stardew Valley. And our sound designer... Um, who was nominated for an IGF, actually, uh, a year ago. His name is Jonas Turner. He did the sound design for Nuclear Throne. And, um, and he uh, went out to a farm recently to, to get actual farm animal noises for, for the game. We have a picture of him with like this elaborate audio setup next to a chicken. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, I, I, whenever
2: I, I hear about sound design, I always think of uh, if you remember back in like the 90s, there was like a commercial on like Nickelodeon where they were talking about the sound, the sound effects of like Rugrats. I don't know if you remember. This. I, I vaguely it remember was, like, this commercial. The video. There yes. was this big open area with like black curtains and shit, and like they just kept putting stuff down. They were like, dong, dong. Does that make sense? All right, we'll keep it. We'll keep it. We'll keep it. I was like, and that's what I think of every time I hear sound design. And a lot of people don't think sound design is important, but if I ask you both right now, can you hear, if you thought about it, would you be able to hear, uh, listen in your own brain the sound of the Minecraft axe picking of dirt, mm-hmm. you hear it automatically. Mm-hmm. Just, and that's how important I think, and you're absolutely right, that sound design
1: is super important. Yeah. Cool. Oh. All right, I know I said we said we're going to get into beer. but <laughs> I, got, I got one other question. Do you ever sit back and laugh when, or does this happen uh, with publishing uh, on a smaller scale, when there's fan backlash, but you know that that decision was made by the publisher and not the developers, but everyone's too busy yelling at the developers.
0: Yeah, I, I've certainly uh, uh, chuckled at people being wrong at the wrong, being mad at the wrong people. Uh, there, there are so many things that go on behind the scenes that it's uh, uh, sometimes it's not easy to discern, mm-hmm. you know. But also sometimes like maybe. You know, you're kind of an everyday game player. They might not know uh, exactly how things work. Uh, You know, and you you should never really take this stuff too seriously unless it's like someone's giving you death threats or something, in which case, you know, call your local authorities immediately. But uh, otherwise, it's like, you know, I, I like to pretend sometimes that I know a lot about a subject, and I absolutely do not. I think we've all done it at least once or twice in our lives. All the time, all the time. Uh, you know, so I so I kind of can't blame people for that. It's like you know when you when you see a subreddit for for a game and they're like, why don't they put multiplayer in here? And the next the response to that is like, yeah, you could do it like in twenty four hours. <laughs> oh, you just program it and just throw it in there and that's it. You never never mind like you know server costs and having to research <laughs> that. Let's let's forget about balancing a game that wasn't made for multiplayer. And then of course all the actual programming that goes into Implementing multiplayer, right? I'm like, just gonna say,
1: look at Fallout 76. Ooh. <laughs> Everyone's like, yeah. Why, why did it take you guys so long? And then I'm like, all right, like they just like released Elder Scrolls Online, and you guys aren't satisfied with that. Now you want Fallout Online? They release it, and you're not satisfied with that.
0: I'm not gonna defend Fallout 76. I won't either. Even well, though here, to I'm not well, going like, uh, either. I don't know what he's I, saying. That, that wasn't my defense. I was saying
1: like it was funny in the same realm of like, people, like the public will ask for something, they get it, and then it's like. Nobody wants this crap. And it's like, all right, we try our best. <laughs> I mean,
2: I mean it's, it's it's a basic thing. It's like it's like a basic thing. Like, hey, what are you going for dinner? Oh, I want sushi. Oh, we can go to that restaurant. I don't really like that restaurant, but you said it's sushi. But I don't like that restaurant. Oh, okay, I'm
1: sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you guys ever have that problem with beer? Now we can get into <laughs> Oh, that was a good so Someone's like, oh, let's go get beer. And you're just like, not, not there.
0: No, <laughs> no. <laughs> We might we might differ on the types of beer, but it's just as long as the place offers a nice variety. Yeah, yeah that's, that's all that matters. I'm, I'm very glad that I don't
2: know, probably on the west coast too, because I've been to the west coast and they have these types of places. A lot of like uh, craft beer bars are such mm-hmm. a big thing to, now, uh, where they're just like, oh, here's a here's our you can get the flight of beers and stuff like mm-hmm. that, and it's just I love that, and I love I love my beers dark and rich and.
0: Oh. Ooh. I think the Amber like, Ale is probably my favorite type of beer. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, for a while I was on an IPA kick, like everybody was, like, 10 years Every, ago. You know what it is? Everybody, <laughs> ever, when they first started drinking, they're just like,
1: let me get an IPA. Yeah. And I've they drink and they're that like, guy. I feel they're fancy. Always bit, they're always too bitter for me. And you I'm were like,
0: true to yourself.
1: I was like, ah, oh, you know what, everyone's drinking, I'll try one. And then I'm just like, no. I was mm-hmm. like, I was the guy that's like, can I get something that's, like, sweeter or, like, not as bitter? Like, please.
0: <laughs> I my, my thing now is that, like, I, I do, like an IPA occasionally, uh, but I got to start the session with mm. that, maybe yeah. two, and that's it. Then then I'm off to Amber's mm. or, or Lagers or Kolsch's. That's kind of like my, my current favorite right now. Okay. There's a lot of really fun Kolsch's out there. They're a good summer beer. Um, obviously, it's not summer right now, but right. I, I've been. You I'm, can find it. Yeah, oh no, yeah, you can. Um, we have a brewery in San Francisco called Fort Point that makes it an incredible Kolsch. Um, it's just nice and light and crisp, and you can uh, drink it. For the long haul, mm. after you've had your IPAs and your barley wines and Oof. what it, porters and stouts and stuff,
2: uh, especially like the darker you get, I feel like that's the the your length of time if you can go drinking those kind of short ends every time. Mm-hmm. You can like you know you're going like it's like oh maybe I can get like three and then I'm good and then you gotta you gotta lighten it up a little bit. Yeah, I like, feel like,
0: like an imperial stout is mm-hmm. like a meal in a bottle. Yeah, <laughs> or in a glass. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> it's funny that you guys bring up stouts because I was gonna I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna lead this next question about like your opinions on them so the first time that i was able to legally drink um i was at bethesda we had a happy hour and i'm like okay cool i can go get a beer so i was like i don't know what a stout is first beer that i grabbed it's the most disgusting thing i've ever had in my (laughs) entire life and then i'm like and my friend's like well don't pour it out i'm like dude are you gonna drink he's like no i don't like stout so i go to pour it out and it looks like motor oil and i'm just like All right, cool. I now know that I am not a fan of (laughs) stouts.
0: I think, you know, some of them are not bad. And some of them, like, okay, if we're going to get, like, super, like, mainstream, like Guinness. Guinness is a very easy-to-drink stout, right? It is. And if you get it on draft, then you have that 50-50 nitrogen mix, right? Mm. So it's not, like, uh, it's not super carbonated. It's a lot more creamy. Yeah. Like, kind of like a Boddington's, which is not really a stout, but... um, but then you have uh, uh, some stouts that that aren't so smooth, mm-hmm. and they are a little bitter, or they try to do things like nutmeg or chocolate. There's or, a, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of
2: beers right now. There's one that I can think of off the top of my head. It's like a peanut butter beer, oh,
0: and, mm. it's, and you drink it, <laughs> and it's like ugh. It's uh, oh. like when I tried uh, um, Rogue Brewery years ago. It did like a collaboration with Voodoo Donut, because that's like you know kind of a staple in Portland, and they're from Portland. And it was like a a bacon maple beer, oof. which I like. See your reaction. I say is, the oof like I, I'm not into it. I mean oof like that seems a little heavy. No, and and you know what though? See, I should have had that reaction, but I was like, <laughs> ba- bacon <laughs> and maple, I want to drink that. And then when I did, I was like,
2: this was a bad choice. Uh, I, uh, I speaking since we're on Voodoo Donut for like two seconds. I rem- I had the same reaction when I had uh, I went to Voodoo Donut years ago for the first time. I was like, whoa, Voodoo Donut, and that was when they, do you remember when they had the Nyquil or uh, the Nyquil yes, Donut? Yes. I tried it. What is that? Worst like yeah. yeah. So it's a uh, it's essentially a donut with Nyquil made with it. They can't make it anymore, They're right? They're not allowed to. Yeah. yeah, that
1: sounds like some creeper stuff. Uh, <laughs> it was not a... it's donut.
2: I had about. Uh, a quarter of it and I was like no nah, never mind
0: yeah it was definitely a, like a, a gimmick yeah yeah yeah.
2: Uh, <laughs> and then actually a, a couple of years ago and I think when we were not drinking in New York um, do you because uh, when I try not to drink too heavy or like just want some just like to just like sip on whatever I'm having a good time and I'm not drinking like wine or liquor I, I actually it's kind of popular now uh, do you know a Scheifenheifer?
0: no the I grapefruit
2: don't know. beer? no it's actually delicious ooh like, uh, Sculpin does a grapefruit beer. Yeah. Uh, the, the grapefruit it, IPA. And it tastes like, just like juice. Ooh. And then you're about three glasses into it and you're like, "Ooh."
0: You know, I'm not even, like, a huge fan at all of, like, uh, like kind of fruit-infused beers. But there is one that I love, also from San Francisco. But I think you can get on some of the uh, flights from Alaskan. Um, it's uh, uh, it's made by a brewery called Twenty First Amendment, mm. and it's called Hell or High Watermelon. And they only wow. produce it in the summer. So it's kind of like a watermelon wheat beer mm. that is just delightful. Okay. It's good. And this brewery is down the street from the ballpark, right? So you go there <laughs> for a few pints, and you walk into the nice uh, to see the Giants play or whatever. And it's it's good time during the summer.
2: You know, I I could relate this this whole beer thing to alcohol, but I think I could do it. Here we go. Got it off now. Right. Um so you know how like uh you got like people like uh breweries like like Amagang and stuff like that doing stuff with like Game of Thrones and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um do you ever see gaming collaborations with like beer companies and no, stuff I
1: like would this? love to see that. <laughs> oh see, my god. I was actually gonna ask, I was gonna say, hey, so when are you gonna like publish a game where yeah. like the the whole purpose of the indie game is just to get drunk at every bar in town or something like that? If, like, if
0: someone is making that game, please reach out to us. <laughs>
1: Hit up Raw Fury. They will. They'll give you all the money. Yeah. Just, just, David will throw every check. Just everything. Here, here, make it, make David, what's going on with the studio? What's happening? Like, I, I don't, just need the money. I'm like I don't know. I'm drunk.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, do you? But yeah. Do you ever feel like even if it's just like a beer that's made for a game, or like do you ever see that happening? Because again games are for every age so do you feel like that would be crossing a line or do you feel No, like I,
0: I I've seen like uh, some companies like ask breweries like to like make a special brew for them or even relabel a beer but I've never seen it like sold commercially
1: Cinemax does that uh, they have do like like right now they have limited edition drinks so people are doing that but. that's awesome yeah
0: yeah we need to see more of that that sounds fantastic <laughs>
1: Make it happen, man. In uh, the indie games, do it. <laughs> just, just get it. Make beers after all your games that you guys publish, and that, then just be like,
0: "That's a really good idea." <laughs> yeah, <that's, laughs> like an atomic crops beer. Oh. oh, oh, that'd be like a vegetable beer. I don't know. Would it be though? It, 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 well, I, we could come up with something fun. You I could,
1: guess. I don't know. Just, Listen. Just, just say it's bacon flavored. Listen, people would drink more. anything. That's true. People yeah. drink
2: green beer on on St. Patrick's Day. Where did they get the green from? Okay, we don't
0: know. wait. I have a good green beer story though. Like, and this is not, like, food coloring or anything like that. So I was in Taiwan last year, uh, or in Taipei specifically, and uh, I found out that they had a particular ramen uh, shop there called Ichiran. And Ichiran is, like, an actual, like, uh, Japanese chain. You Mm -hmm. can find them prominently in Tokyo. And I love Ichiran. And I'm in Taipei, and I'm like, well, obviously I'm not going to make it to Tokyo just to get this ramen, but Mm -hmm. they got it right here. So I I go in there, it's it's August, it's humid, it's hot, and... I walk in and I put in my order for the ramen and then I see that they, you know, they serve beer or something. I'm gonna get a beer, of course. They have Asahi, which is fine. It's like regular mass-produced Japanese beer, right? Mm -hmm. Japan's got a really cool brewing, like indie uh, or craft brewing. By the way, I don't know if you've uh, just started to touch into that, but we could probably talk about that for like another half hour. (laughs) Anyway, sorry. The point of the story is that they had a matcha beer.
2: Oh, I don't know how I feel about matcha. No, 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 no. But here's the thing. (laughs) He's ready to defend it. I am absolutely <laughs> defending
0: it. So uh, uh, it was it's a, it's a matcha lager, basically, limited edition. It was only available on draft in certain locations. I guess Ichiran is one of them, so mm-hmm. that's where I had this thing. You, you drink a beer on a very hot day, and it feels refreshing. This was like cartoon, man. This was like I, I take a couple sips, and all of a sudden it's like, guh, 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 and I'm like, my whole glass is almost gone. That's it was incredible. That's um, Kyoto Brewing does like a, a matcha IPA. That one I'm kind of uh, mm. about. It's okay. But the Sasahi matcha lager, I, I cannot recommend mm. it enough.
2: I, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't really, I haven't really, I don't really experiment with a lot of international beers just because, you know, I, I live in New York City. And if I do, if I do go to like a face, it's usually that on Long Island. Long Island has their own like craft breweries mm. now and they're all popping up. Same thing with upstate New York. They're, they have their own stuff as well. Um, but I, I always I, I never forget and it's such like it's like a popular mainstream beer and um, in, mostly in the Philippines but uh, Red Horse do you know Red Horse No I don't so know so it's a so it's a Filipino beer uh, out here in America they make it and it's very very watered down it's like you know you drink it it's like am I drinking a cord, like a Bud Light or something like that It's like, like another that. San Miguel basically Yeah 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 <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, But uh, I have a good friend who he's like he's like you don't understand you go to the Philippines you drink it the alcohol content there is is unrelegated so you don't know what you're drinking like you could drink it and all of a sudden it's like piss water but then you drink it the next day and it's like your, your head over here is after one beer and it's like I'm like oh okay and that's why I try to be like I don't know if I should ever try international beers because I feel like in America they're very like Watered, watered down, on. they're so regulated you, stuff yeah. like that. I mean, they lack the but, full experience. Same, like but Henry,
0: thing, you gotta live a little. to live a little. <laughs> live your life. Uh, same
2: thing with like like I, I like Red Stripe and stuff like that. Though I do love stri- Red Stripe every now and then.
0: Red, Red Stripe, Red Stripe is a, a fine like. Hey, we're having a barbecue beer. Yeah, I brought a sixer of Red Stripe. This, it's good. I like and the balls are funky. They're always. Yeah, funny. the yeah. bottles are great.
1: Uh, <laughs> I gotta give a shout out to my friend Di, the guy that I visit up in New York. Mm-hmm. He he's got me like on like the sour oh, yeah. wave of beers mm. so like that's where i'm kind of like at now and i'm like i think this suits me because again i don't, I don't like the bitter tasting one so like if do you guys have any recommended sours that i need to try either in san francisco or in, in new york mm, that's a tough one that's actually really tough. I, i'm because
0: i'm not a huge uh sour fan to be honest but uh uh what i i'll, I'll recommend you a place to go to if you okay. ever find your way in san francisco there is an incredible craft beer bar called Toronado, and um and They always have a wide variety of stuff on tap, and they have a few casks as well. Okay, and they definitely have a couple sours there, and they and they curate this stuff. None of the stuff there sucks; it's it's all great stuff. If you're if you're like a, a beer nerd, that's the place to go. Yeah. So f- find your way there, and they'll recommend you uh, something to drink.
2: Gotcha. Um,
0: I could probably recommend
2: it. if you're ever out in New York. You go out to there's a place actually called Hoptron uh, mm-hmm. Boutique, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a great place. They got a lot of craft beers, and it's like it's very special, limited beers and stuff like that. So as soon as a keg's tapped, that's it. It's gone. Oh, it's like that's it. Like some, they may get it like three, four months down the road, or maybe a year later. But like once it's gone, it's gone. Mm-hmm. So it's like you get it, you find it, and you're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, actually, one thing I do want to ask, like, how do you feel about like barcades and stuff? Do you feel like we need more of them? Do you feel like we need less of them? Like,
1: he, what is he has all the stuff he needs at his house. <laughs> he doesn't need to go to a no, barcade. But, but he was I, ready. <laughs> but <laughs> I
0: don't have a six-player X-Men machine. Like, That's true. I, lo- I okay, love barcades. I love barcades to death. Uh, I wish San Francisco had uh, more of them or perhaps maybe better versions of them. Mm. So we have a couple. I won't disparage them on the air. I'll just talk about the good ones. Um, <laughs> we can bleep it out if you yeah, want to no, just no, talk it's all fine, that No, We have a couple that like have... like They serve... And they have arcade machines, but the arcade machines aren't kept up very well. Some mm. of them are like the 50 games in one, and it's like Ooh. someone's hacked cabinet or something. But then we have others. Like, there's my favorite current yeah. one is called Emporium, and I think there are a couple other Emporiums in the U.S. I, I don't know where they started. I want to say Chicago, but I'm not sure. That could also be Coin Op, which is another kind of chain that's starting to spread out. Mm. Um, I really like both of those in San Francisco. I like Emporium more. It's in an the old theater. In a cool part of the city. That's fancy. And they and they do have really uh, really kept up arcade machines. So they all the old school stuff that you want and controllers or joysticks excuse me and buttons actually work. Oh, that's good. Which is great. So yeah, I think I I, I like this scene. What's it like uh, where you're at? So uh, New York is
2: New York has a couple of arcades. Mm. Uh, they have like like uh, not the the original barcade but like in Brooklyn there is like barcade which was kind of like the first place that we had and then they made another bar- barcade closer into like Manhattan and stuff like that. and that one's kind of like the um, the lower quality one mm-hmm. like you get like the more this like mainstream the buttons like the machines aren't kept well but the original one out in Brooklyn everything's kept really nice they have again they have the six player x-men machine they mm-hmm. have they have the you know everybody's favorite the TMNT game stuff oh, yeah. like that Simpsons Sim yeah. saw him I saw him live actually in Brooklyn
1: oh man. And we're back. Oh. Guys, there's probably going to be a jump cut because the battery's died in the uh, uh. voice recorder, but we're back.
2: Okay. So we were talking about barcades.
0: Barcades. <laughs> uh, how I love a good pinball machine. Oh, dude. Uh, so my brother lives in Portland. It's the pinball capital yeah. of, uh, yeah. is it the U.S.? It might be the world. The world. <laughs> Listen, you know what? For the sake of this podcast, it's the world. Sure, the world. <laughs> like, uh, and First off, they also have incredible barcades. They have Quarterland, which is like newer over there, and then Grand Control, which is like the staple one. Yeah. And if you've gone to a Pax West and played arcade machines, then you have played a machine from Ground Control, okay? Because they, that's where they they get them from. And um, but anyway, yeah, you can go into any bar, just any bar, and they've got at least one to two pinball machines. No I matter remember, where you uh,
2: go. I was at TwitchCon, and uh, last year TwitchCon in like November or something, and they had like they had pinball machines and stuff that they rented. in. I was like, shit. Yeah,
0: do you is w- do you know? Remember some of the, your favorite pinball tables? <sighs>
2: I remember I played, like, a Deadpool one for, like, two hours straight, mostly just because it was really good.
1: Mm. Um, I would have to say mine is probably uh, the Terminator one, but that's only because there was, like, this little hole-in-the-wall, like, grill by where my daycare used to be as a kid, and that was the only pinball machine they had. They had another, I think it was, I want to say Star Wars, but that one was, like, never worked, so you only could play the Terminator one, and I just remember seeing... That one's so like that one is vividly in my head, like as my favorite, just because like as a kid, like that was the only one that I could play, so if you,
2: I think if you ever want to explain unrecorded love to a gamer, it's like, hey, you know that arcade machine that you really like that never works so, but you always want to play it? That's what it is. <laughs> For
0: me that's killer instinct. Oh I, I wanna play KI all the time and finding a working arcade cabinet is hell. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's funny because we,
2: we had a guest on yesterday who was in the FGC and uh, he was talking about how Killer Instinct sh- is a game that really should be more prominent in the FGC community and only like one or two majors has it and it's like such a shame because it's an amazing game. Uh, the newer one in uh, the, the old one, obviously. The, the
0: old one's very flawed. Like, I, st- I still remember all of Orchid's combos, including the Ultra. Uh, but it's a very flawed game. <laughs> uh, you had one more question right? made?
1: Uh, yeah, so my other question would be or is going to be, for young developers, like, you know, kids or people in high school that are kind of doing this on their own, who are looking for a way to um, improve on developing, but also, you know, getting feedback from the community, what steps could they take, like, if they don't have whatever the necessary resources might be to reach out or get to get backing from a publisher outside of, like, Kickstarter and things like that? Is there anything that they can do on, like, a smaller scale, Oh,
0: that's really tough. I mean, there are things that you can always do on your own. There's a really cool platform called Itch.io uh, that is basically a, um, a storefront for anybody. Um, you know, they're, they're mindful of what goes on that storefront, but essentially you can just kind of open up your own little store and upload any little projects that you make. Little prototypes, game jams, whatever you can put up for free, you can put up for sale. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, but it's one way to get a small amount of visibility, maybe think of it, uh, also as a place, uh, to, uh, showcase your portfolio, you know, that's dope. like, Hey, I'm wor- like, when you approach a publisher, you're like I'm working on this and you show them like a prototype or a vertical slice. And if you want to see some of the other crazy stuff that's gone on in my head, you can check on my, you know, itch.io page or something, you know, so that might be one thing I guess somebody could do. I th- oh. The other thing I, I guess would be maybe to uh, really get involved in the dev community in general, mm-hmm. listen to podcasts, follow people on Twitter. Um, you know, maybe, uh, you know, start uh, tooling around in uh, GitHub, because they have forms there and, you know, uh, you can uh, probably glean a lot of information that way. Stuff like that, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah it, cost no- it cost I mean, it could cost nothing to make an incredible game. It costs your time. Yeah. And then it's just a matter of what your time is worth. I think for adults like us, uh, you know, we have, we have, Bills to pay and mouths to feed, so... Bills, bills, bills. Well, yeah, we can't just make something for, for nothing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, maybe for a high school student who's got a lot more time, uh, you know, on their hands, maybe they could come up with something incredible. Yeah. Right, so, so I'll, to I'll, close out... Okay.
1: Do you have anything that you would like to shout out where people can find you, any of your games that are current, that you're currently working on that recommend you want showcase? <laughs> or recommend a beer, <laughs> or a, a classic like NES game, or something for Nintendo, cool. like... Oh, Shout out anything. Yeah, Jeez. Mike is yours. Plug, oh plug gosh, whatever you want. So, Talk about whatever you want. So, so many do Whatever. So, whatever. Many. <laughs>
0: so many things. All right. Uh, well, What's your favorite fast food? Whatever you want, man. Man, all right. So, uh, yeah, if you want to check out some of the work that uh, my company does, uh, you just go to rawfury.com or follow us on Twitter, you know, at rawfury. That's fine. Or come join us on Discord, discord.gg slash rawfairy. That's all, that's all the plug I'm going to do. I hate doing that. Uh, <laughs> if you want to check out my stream, I'm just HeyDmart, H-E-Y-D-M-A-R-T. That's Twitch. That's uh, Twitter. It's all that. So if you like retro stuff, uh, that's pretty much all I tweet about. <laughs> that's pretty much all I, I stream. Uh, and I do it from real console hardware stuff. Uh, what was it? Beer recommendation? Yeah, go for uh, it. <laughs> I like uh, pretty much anything from Kawaba uh, Brewery. Uh, They're based in Japan. I would uh, recommend the... Um, uh, the Sunrise Ale, which because I like ambers, that's my and okay. they have an amber. I think it's the best amber in the world. Um, they also have a really good uh, wheat beer called Snow Wisen, so like a nice uh, kind of white okay, uh, Belgian okay. style. Uh, what was it, fast food? Sure, <laughs> sure, go for <laughs> it. What was the other thing you said, like fast food? in and out or
1: Five no, Guys. No, absolutely <laughs> I'm,
0: I'm a California guy that thinks in and out is overrated. This is, Thank you. This is a point of contention. This is me clapping. Yeah, this is a point of contention. See, you guys I, heard it there from a
1: man from the land it, himself.
0: I get I get a lot of flack from my, my fellow Californians but there are there is a decent contingency of us like there's a, enough of us mm. that we are not unheard. Mm. We I think it's garbage. The fries are terrible. <laughs> like, I mean everyone says that. <laughs> it's
1: true. <laughs> so, so what would be your recommended food place? That's where we're getting at. If you had to if uh, if like, you're, you're coming out fast, <laughs> yeah. so, um, so fast food is that so so American? So
0: what an American question I, I like Shake Shack. I don't know how East Coasters feel about it, but I enjoy Shake we Shack. We got Shake Shack everywhere. We got Shake Shack at five, guys. That's, that's it. I, I enjoy Shake Shack.
1: Right. Right. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Um, will we see a uh beer blog coming anytime soon?
0: Oh, man. I hope so. <laughs> will we see a D Mart beer stream coming? <laughs> oh, dude. I, I used to do my little drunk stream, so that's so much anymore. <laughs> You that's can give us,
2: like, the, the Gordon Ramsay uh, master class on we, beers we,
0: we, we can do it. We can do a beer crawl, bar crawl tonight if that's what you boys really want. Oof. I'm
1: always there. All right, I got a fight at 3 a.m., so. So you're staying up all night? Great. We'll yeah, exactly. perfect. I'm down. <laughs> all right, guys, and um, that's our episode. Till Good Game Do Us Part, thank you for listening. Dmar, we appreciate you coming, man. Thank
0: you for having me. Yeah,
1: thank you. Henry, you got anything to say before we close out? No.
2: As usual, you you know where to find us, so follow us on that. Henry just says, drink your water, stay hydrated. That's really honestly, just drink your water.
1: (laughs) We love you guys. Thank you.